When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Welcome back into a Christmas edition of In the Huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, put him up. Along with my man Brian Baldinger, Jason Lockonfor as well on this podcast. And every week we get a chance to talk a little bit of gambling because it's such a big deal. We're almost to the end of the season, and we love our guy, Nick Costos, who comes in. You better, you bet. He brings his knowledge uh, every week to the show, and we get a chance to talk about a few of the games on the schedule. Now, guys, this is a weird week because Saturday is going to be a majority of the games, and then we've got a few games, I think three games on Christmas, which is great. I mean, football is football. But because of that, um, I know teams have moved their schedules up. You know, a lot of a lot of things have changed. It's a short week, basically, for everybody in the National Football League. But before we get started, guys, I do want to ask you, Nick. I want to bring you into this conversation, Baldy. Obviously, we lose one of the all-time greats in, in Franco Harris. Before we talk about any games and, and lines, I was a little taken back because as a kid, you know, growing up, uh, I'm from Texas. We watched Cowboys. Cowboy fans hated Steelers, but mm-hmm. you respected what the Steelers mm-hmm. had. And once I got into this business and understood how damn good, Baldy, those Steelers teams were with Franco and Terry and Mel Blunt, all these guys that ended up going to Hall of Fame. I think they had 10 Hall of Famers on that defense. You just realize how well the team drafted, how well the ownership was. And then when you lose a great like this, Baldy, it, uh, it's tough, man, especially the way they were going to honor him. And I know they still will, but without him being there this weekend. It's going to be tough, Carl. Uh, you know, the entire league. Um, you know, my, my NFL network, I mean, everything was geared to, you know, Christmas Eve, Saturday night in Pittsburgh, a 50 year anniversary of Raiders Steelers. And Franco was the middle of it. You know, he, I mean, it was like he, that was going to be the celebration, the immaculate reception. And we honored him yesterday. I did a breakdown of the play yesterday for the network. And, you know, I mean, the tributes that came in, uh, unex- not, not unexpected. I mean, every single tribute was the same thing. Soft-spoken, unbelievable guy, caring, community. You know, and, you know, before Franco got there in 1972, the Steelers had eight straight losing seasons, Carl. And one of those seasons was 1-13. and And, you know, all these teams out there right now that are trying to emulate, you know, how to turn things around. Well, the Steelers are the ultimate turnaround team. You know, with the way that they drafted Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, you know, Jack Ham. I mean – you know, Donnie, all the guys, you know, including Franco in 72, you know, the rookie year. And they go and they win that playoff game against the Raiders. So it, it's a tough loss. It's a really tough loss. Um, I, I'm from Pittsburgh, Carl. I've gotten all kinds of texts from people that are still there, friends of mine that live there. And the, the city is truly heartbroken. I mean, it was one of their brothers and one of the pillars in the community that people always, you know, saw, counted on golf tournaments charity events, you name it. Yep. Um, Franco was there. And so it, it's uh, it's a big loss felt by a lot of people. 
Yeah. And I had a chance to have him on numerous times over the years at Super Bowls, right? You go, Franco would make his rounds and they'd bring him by. And he had always had great stories about those teams. I just loved the way he would tell a story about different guys. And, you know, to your point, when you met him, first of all, I don't know if people realize this who've never met him. Franco Harris was a big guy. Big dude. He was like 6'2", 235. He was not a small running back. We're talking about the 70s. So if you think Derrick Henry's a big guy, take that and put that guy in the 70s. Right. Exactly. Running against teams that were built to stop the run. And this guy still would break you off for 150, 170, which tells you how talented he was. So I'm with you, Baldy. Tough situation. Nick, you have any thoughts on Franco Harris before we move forward? Yeah, like I'm I'm 39 years old. I am a like lifelong diehard football fan. And I, I remember like my favorite time of year as a football fan was always around the holidays because at the time ESPN would run all those consecutive as we got towards the Super Bowl, like the half hour like episode basically about the Super Bowl and about the game. And every year as a kid, I would sit there and watch every single Super Bowl all in a row consecutively. And you can't tell the story of the National Football League without Franco Harris. He's like an indelible part of NFL history. So anyone that, whether you're from Pittsburgh, whether you're a Steelers fan, whether you're a football fan of a certain age, whether you're someone who's a little younger like me, but like loves the history of the National Football League, it's a it's a gigantic loss for the NFL community. And again, like you can't tell the story of the league without Franco Harris. It just makes me think of like, those great Steelers teams in the seventies and like the couple great Dolphins teams early on. And like the Raiders only won once as great as the Raiders were because the Steelers were in their way and they got the Cowboys both times in the seventies, just one of the greatest teams in the history of the NFL. And obviously Franco, a big part of that and all the hall of famers on defense, just uh, what a guy, like what a, what a career, like what a life and rest in peace to the great Franco Harris. Let's shift gears, guys, and talk about some of the games that we'll get a chance to watch. And uh, we've got some interesting ones on the schedule. Nick, I want to start with the Bengals. At Foxborough, three-point favorites. Nobody's more on fire right now than the Bengals. Explain this number to me. Three points on the road against New England? Yeah, so it, it, it's a lot of respect, I think, for Cincinnati to be this big of a favorite on the road in New England, actually. It feels like it's only a little bit, but like you factor in home field advantage for the Patriots, the way the Patriots lost the game last week to the Raiders. And this is my thought. Like, I watched the Bengals-Bucks game last week, and like Burrow racked up like the stats and had the touchdowns, and the Bengals won by double digits. Also, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were addicted to turning the football over. Couldn't get enough of it. Five straight possessions, so... I don't think the Bengals played like extraordinarily well on offense in the game. It was just Tampa's like, here, here's the ball on our 17-yard line. What are you going to do with it? And Baldy, you were on You Better You Bet on Wednesday. You called Joe Burrow an assassin. You're right, because you give him the ball in those spots. He's going to make you pay. So as far as this game is concerned, I don't want to give the Bengals as much credit as a lot of people are giving them for the performance this past Sunday. As far as this game is concerned, if the number is going to be three, Cincinnati minus three on the road, that number's fine. I make my projected point spreads in the NFL. I make Cincinnati a three-point road favorite in the game. The spread is totally fine. Earlier in the week, it was four, it was three and a half. That's when I bet New England. So my thought is, is as we approach kickoff, I think people will have interest in Cincinnati and also not have interest in the Patriots after what we saw last week, as bad as their offenses looked. So Mr. Dukes, here would be my betting advice. Right. Wait until wait until kickoff. When Cincinnati goes back up to a three and a half point favorite, I would actually take the points with the Patriots. If Bengals win this game, I think they win it by three points. New England above three would be my bet in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots won the game outright. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Bengals are a better team. It's it's hard to watch the Patriots, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, you, you're kind of they only can play one way. You know, it's it's run, run, run. 
you know, dink and dunk. I mean, there's just nothing explosive about the team. Defensively, they're a very solid team. You know, when you look at what Matt Judon and Josh Uche have done and can do, um, you know, they can they can help keep the score down. They play good, good man coverage. Uh, they got these young corners, Marcus Jones. I mean, these kids are good young players and they know how to they know how to defend. So I, I believe the score will be down, the weather will be cold. Uh, you know, but I think that the Bengals all around are a very complete team. And what Logan Wilson, what DJ Reader, you know, what Sam Hubbard, like these guys, Mike Hilton, these guys are good football players. They play well. It's a good scheme that they have in Cincinnati. So I think the, the line seems about right, but I, I think the Bengals get their seventh win in a row. Yeah, I do too, Baldy. All right, guys, a couple more games here with Nick. Again, you better, you bet. Check out his podcast as well. Whether or not Jalen Hurts plays, do you like the point spread in the Cowboys-Eagles game, Nick? So I think a couple contingencies here. Like, Let's talk about if Hurts definitely doesn't play, and it's Gardner Minshew. Right now, the point spread, guys, and depending on what people listen to this, is about Dallas minus four and a half. That's what we call in the betting community. It's an in-between number. That's in between Jalen Hurts starting for the Eagles and Gardner Minshew starting for the Eagles. So the expectation in the betting market is likely that Jalen Hurts is not going to play. I think intuitively, logically, it makes sense. Philly's a forward-thinking organization. They beat the Saints next week or the Giants in Week 18. They are the one seed in the NFC East champion and have home field. So the importance on this game, and you want to beat Dallas, beat your rival, obviously, heading into the postseason, they this is not a must-win game for the Eagles. I think they're going to hold Jalen out even if Jalen's like kind of good to go here. I think it'll be Gardner Minshew and I, I don't know that for a fact it's just my thought like I also thought Josh Allen wasn't going to play against the Vikings and he did or Herbert against the Jaguars and he did so if it's Gardner Minshew the point spread's going to go up to at least six like Dallas minus six in the game like that's what's going to happen and if that's the case and we get word that Philly's like going to play everybody else because would it shock anyone remember week 17 a couple years ago here's Nate Sudfeld against Washington like Philly does this stuff sometimes right why wouldn't they pull their starters if the game gets out of whack in a game that they don't need if we get word that Philly's trying to win this game and it's just Minshew and everyone else is going to play and they're going for the jugular for four quarters to try and win Dallas's secondary is in rough shape man Baldy you did a great job detailing it on the on you better you bet yesterday why can't Minshew connect with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Dallas Goddard, back off IR for Philly, was great last year when Gardner Minshew started. Um, so Philly plus six, that has to be the number. I'd be interested in the Eagles. My man Dukes, if it's Jalen Hurts starting on Saturday night, the spread will close. Dallas probably close to a three-point favorite, but not there, in which case I'll have no interest in betting the game because I don't know what I'm going to get from Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Well, I, I live in the area, and Jalen's not playing in this game. All right. I mean, whether he wants to or not, I mean, they're just going to keep him out of harm's way. It makes no sense. Like Justin Fields a couple weeks ago. You should bet you know, Dallas he, then. <laughs> you should bet Dallas because you, you will get well, ahead of this year. If you the only thing is, is this Gardner Minshew, you know, he just did a, a tribute to Mike Leach the other day. He did. But this kid is he, he's, he's an unusual guy, but he loves to play. And I think we're going to find out an awful lot about Philadelphia. And just how complete this team is. I think it's the best secondary in football. I think it's the best defensive line in football. Like the best offensive line in football. They're a complete team. And I think when Gardner goes in there, now I know you got to go into Dallas and, you know, it's Christmas Eve and all this stuff. This is a complete team of Philadelphia. And I don't get the feeling that Dallas is a complete team. I just don't. I, what Dak did the other day, he did not play great. No. Uh, the team didn't play great. They expected. Jacksonville exposed some weaknesses. 
specifically the secondary. And maybe the pass rush against an elite offensive line isn't that great. It wasn't that great uh, when they played back in week six. And so, you know, they've got, you know, Lane Johnson's going to Pro Bowl and going to be a first-team All-Pro for a reason. And if Mikey goes over there, Lane doesn't have any fear of Micah Parsons or Tank Lawrence. They battle every year. I, I feel like the Eagles can certainly cover this for sure, but I, I expect them to go down there and win the game. Baldy, I think Love it. their identity is why I'm totally on board with what you're saying. With or without Jalen, they have built their identity, and I don't think that changes. I know it's a quarterback league, right? I talk about it all the time, but I don't think that changes in a game like this. The, number one against takeaways, right? Uh, you know, the defense, sacks. You, you just talk about the things that matter. That doesn't go away because Jalen's not playing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm with you on this. I think they go down there and they have a real chance to win. And uh, whether they cover or not, Nick, I'm on it. I, I hear you with the Cowboys depending on that Jalen decision. But I, I'm leaning that he doesn't play either. It just doesn't make sense. And you don't necessarily absolutely have to have this one. You got they two need, they, need, they need Jalen for January is where they yes. need him. And so they're yeah. not, you know, I know, I, I know Jalen pretty well. Like the, the kid has a great deal of bounce back, come back. He played with two bad ankles last year. Look what like, happened in Alabama coming back from that. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a warrior, but you know, sometimes warriors need to take the day off. Even if it's <laughs> the biggest game of the year, they need to understand the bigger picture. Yeah. And I, the, by the way, th- this team loves Gardner Minshew. They, I expect him to rally around Gardner and, you know, as a rallying cry. And so, uh, you know, I, I, you're going to get a good performance for the Eagles Saturday night. Carl, Nick, can I toss this out there? Just last thing yeah, on this game. If you, if, if, if the people listening, if you guys agree with Carl and Baldy and me to a degree, and you think the Eagles can be competitive with Minshew, don't bet this game now. Wait until Minshew's officially announced. The number's going to go up. You will get a more advantageous number with Philadelphia. If you like Dallas, Baldy's basically telling you he lives in Philly. He's not saying it 100% that Jalen's not going to play. I would bet the Cowboys now if you think that that's going to be true because the number's going to go up if and when Minshew's announces the starter. Nick Costos, you better, you bet. He joins us on a weekly basis, guys. We're counting down to the end of the season. It's in the huddle. Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on four. All right, one other game I've got for you, and we, you always talk about these key numbers, three, seven, ten. All right, let's talk Dolphins and Packers. And why is it three and a half in this game? What's going on with this particular spread? Yeah, a lot of interest in Green Bay. A lot of interest in Green Bay from the betting market. And I, we had a, not just Baldy came on You Better You Bet on Wednesday. We had a couple of people that I really respect. And they're all like, the Dolphins are going to score 40 points on this Packers defense. <laughs> so I'm a little I'm a little nervous right now. Now I'm kind of like reevaluating my opinion on this game. For me, it was just the number came out. And this is kind of like what sports bettors do. Like we try to get ahead of things, right? So I kind of know before the Monday night game is played, this would be my projected point spread if the game goes Packers and Rams the way I think it's going to go on Monday night, which is Green Bay winning comfortably. And I came up with like a point spread in this range. Miami, like minus four and a half was my number. So I'm thinking like, okay, I think this is going to open like six. And if that's the case, I need to bet Green Bay immediately. So I'm literally like a sitting in the dark on Monday night after the game ends in my living room, turn the Christmas light off because the, uh, the light's bothering me at that point. It's staring at the screen all day. And I'm refreshing my bet MGM. I'm waiting for a six so I could bet Green Bay. So I'm sitting on Green Bay plus six here, but like, 
a lot, way too much interest, in my opinion, guys, in Green Bay to get this number down almost to three. It's a lot of respect for the Packers. I don't know if Green Bay has earned this respect, and I think Green Bay can keep this game close. <laughs> it might be live to win this game. We're starting to get into a range, point spread-wise, where, like, this number can never be close to three. Like, in between three and six, like, in the in-between zone there, I think is totally fine for Miami to be favored. Six, I thought, was too much. Three is way too little. So we're actually in a range now where I would only consider betting the Dolphins. I'm sitting on a Packers bet from earlier in the week at Green Bay plus six. I know Baldy's got a strong take on this game that, that candidly has me very nervous about how it's going to play out. Well, I thought we saw, like, there was no moral victories in this league, but we, we saw the Dolphins play well offensively against the Buffalo Bills in that weather. They ran the ball as well as they run it all year. And that's what I've been waiting for from this Mike McDaniel offense is Raheem Mostert to go off. Because the design of the plays are, are very clever. And Mostert's got elite speed. I haven't seen the Packers defend anybody all year. They've, they've won two in a row. They beat the, the Bears, and they, they beat a depleted Rams team. Um, big whoop. Like, this is not a good football team right now. And, and I just think the Dolphins, I, I think this team is going to rally. I think they're going to finish strong. I think you're going to get back to what the Dolphins look like for the first half of the season, which was a scary football team. And I think the ball, I think Tua played very well the other night. No turnovers, got the ball to his wide receivers. And I think these guys, the two of them, I think Tyreek and Jalen Waddell um, have no fear about this Green Bay team. The, the pass rush has not been there. They've been awful against the run. I think the Dolphins put up a huge number in this game. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers can help to keep it close right now. Yeah, I think they're due. I think Miami's due. They did impress me as well. Nick, we got to get out of here, man. Tell the people where they can find your podcast. Yeah, you better, you bet. Just search you bet wherever you find your podcast. We're on live 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on weekdays. Our weekend show this week comes on Christmas Eve, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1. We're off on Christmas Day. Majority of the games on Christmas Eve. We'll get you set to bet the games on Saturday, the three games on Sunday. By the way, two-team teaser with Tampa and the Rams on Sunday. Pay for the Christmas presents, hopefully. And also the NBA games on Christmas Day, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Nick, great job. We will talk to you next week. Merry Christmas, my man. Enjoy. Merry Christmas, Nick. Wishing everyone minimal sweats, winning bets, the absolute very best of luck. Merry Christmas to you guys and your families, all the listeners, all of their families. There he is, guys. Nick Costos. All right. Let's talk about what I saw last week and I couldn't believe. Yeah. Baldy, I couldn't believe the Vikings came back from 33 down. I mean, this is the NFL, right? The last time we talked about this was 1993. Baldy, where were you in 1993 when we saw the Oilers lose to the Bills? Where were you? So I that was a playoff weekend, uh, Carl. Uh, I was playing – I was starting left guard for the Eagles, and we were in the locker room uh, in the Superdome getting ready to play the Saints when that whole comeback with Frank Reich was going on. And so that's where I was. I was – we were all watching it in the locker room getting ready for a game where we had our own comeback against the Saints. We were getting crushed by the Dome Patrol and all those guys in, in New Orleans and Randall Cunningham and Reggie White had a second half for the ages. We won that game. They got us to Dallas the next week, but I was that's where I was watching that comeback. Incredible. Well, I, I guess my, my lead into this is, okay, so this has got to be a letdown spot, right, for the Vikings. Giants at Vikings. This has got to be one of those trap, trap games, right? You just, you're so emotional last week, and now all of a sudden you got to have a letdown, don't you? Well, I had tweeted out at halftime, Carl, just a question. I didn't make a statement. I made a question. 
are the Vikings the biggest frauds in this league? <laughs> like, you know, Viking fans, they came back and they were hating, you know, after of the course. comeback. But I've been on this with you. I, I don't believe them either. So, Carl, look, you give up a punt block for a touchdown, a pick six for a touchdown. You can't convert a fourth down. I mean, they look like a, a defeated team. And I watched a similar performance, not as bad, against the Eagles, against the Cowboys. And I said, when they go up against the real monsters of the NFC, like, this is who they are. And so, look, the comeback is against the Colts. They've just made a change at quarterback. They made a change at coach. I mean, they're not a good team right now. They're, they're a team – I've been on one of those teams, Carl, where you just like – you're counting down the days in the calendar and the season's over. You're booking, you know, tea times. Yes, You know, at yes. the best golf resorts. That's what you're doing. Like, I've been there. And so, while I you credit the Vikings for what Patrick Peterson said at halftime, hey, Kirk Cousins – you, we're going to make the stop, score five touchdowns. They score five touchdowns, they win. I just – I think the Giants, look, they have to play a certain way, Carl. They're, but their defensive line is the strength of the whole team. Yeah. So we watched it against the commander's team on Sunday night. Kayvon, you know, Aziz Aljilari, Dexter Lawrence to me is as good a defensive tackle as there is in the league. Like, you know, Wink Martindale is a creative defensive coordinator hiding some of the weaknesses on this defense. Like, I think this defensive line can really help keep this thing close. And I don't know what you're going to get from the Vikings. I really don't. I know the names on the back of the jerseys, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, they're elite players. But you're going to see you're going to see the best from the Giants so right in the playoff hunt right here. Yes, they are. Giants at Vikings. Let's talk about the Lions. Boy, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And this has been building up, right? I mean, week after week, we've talked about it on In the Huddle. Guys, subscribe. We put new episodes out every Tuesday and Thursday. All things NFL. We take you behind the scenes. We've been talking about this, Baldy, for weeks. Yeah. The buildup. They're good. They're getting better. Look at the offense. Look what Dan Dan's doing. And now, all of a sudden, they find themselves in a spot where I think they can go on the road and win again. I like the Lions. That's how much I'm digging what they're doing right now. I completely agree. They, you know, the, the fact is, Carl, the Lions know they're a good team. Now I they do. Jared Goff's been to the Super Bowl. He knows what they have. Dan Campbell knows it. He's been around this league. Um, what happens is, I remember Pete Carroll telling me this a long time ago, Carl. Even when he was at USC, he had no fear of playing freshman. And when he's been, you know, at Seattle, like play the rookies. They're good players. Play them. You're going to make mistakes early. You might lose early. But you're going to win late. And mm -hmm. I feel like the young guys in Detroit, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby, even Akuda, like these guys are now playing well defensively. But offensively, this Ben Johnson, people are now talking about him. I've been talking about him since day one. Yep. Uh, he's a very creative offense coordinator. You, you saw the play to Brock White, right, on fourth and one last week to beat the Jets. Um, you know, th they've got the right creativity. The offense line is very solid. They're very, very good. And Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a rising star in this league. Uh, the Lions right now, I think, could be as big a trouble spot for any team that sees them. And, you know, 7-7, seven seven, they're not in the playoffs right now, but they're a dangerous playoff team because they're going to get there. By the way, does Steve Wilkes get this job? This has been a different team since Matt Rule got fired. They've run the ball well. I love Derrick Brown on that front. The defense has played well. I know this is a bad division, but how do you evaluate that 
Baldy, when you look at where the Carolina Panthers were, they move on from Baker Mayfield. He's got, you know, Darno playing playing well. Does he get a shot at this job? I hope so. I hope so, because I don't think, you know, Steve Wilkes had, you know, one shot. It was one and done. Sometimes, you know, we've seen a list of guys from Mike Shanahan to Bill Belichick. You know, you go through the list of guys. In their second spot, maybe Doug Peterson. You know, yeah. we'll see what Jacksonville does. But, you know, sometimes you need a, a second chance. You know, some guys never get it. But some guys, you know, to, to steady that ship, and that's what he's done. They've got – look, they, yeah. they easily could have beaten Pittsburgh last week. You know, they're right in the game um, all the way to the end. Like, they – he's done a good job of steadying the ship. They've got talent on defense. The offense line has come together. Like, they need – you know, maybe Sam Darnold's the answer. Maybe he isn't. But I know you know David Tepper wants like a marquee guy there, but they're pretty close. And Steve's been a big part of like taking that thing and just playing good, steady football. I expect him to win some games down the stretch. So yes, I do think he has a shot. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They have a lot of decisions to make. All right, let's talk about Bills at Bears. We know where the Bears are. And I love watching Justin Fields and his development. And, you know, at first I was like, why put him out there? But then last week I'm watching, I'm like, I'm so glad he's out there because he's just fun to watch. But the Bills now at 11 and three. And my concern is a lot of teams have been hanging with the Bills. You talked about the way Miami did. Do the Bears have enough to hang with the Bills? I do not think they win this game, but can they be there at the end of this game? Yeah, because Chicago's not going to change who they are. I mean, they're a very good running football team. And Justin's a big part of it. And you saw the Bills last week against the Dolphins really struggle against the run. The fact is, Ed Oliver, these guys up front are good players. Yeah. They're just not big guys. And so they get pushed around inside. And, you know, Matt Milano is a hell of a player. He's 215 pounds. And so it's like having a safety down the box. And, you know, when you look at these guys, um, you know, they're a little light up front. And it's a weakness. And, and it's going to be a weakness in the playoffs. It has been in the past. And so, yes, I think the way Chicago runs it, that Chicago could keep this thing close. And, you know, Buffalo might have to get into the 30s, you know, to, to, to secure this win, which they're yeah. certainly capable of doing. But those young guys in Chicago now, you know, whether it's Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Johnson, I mean, they play well against Philadelphia. And they battled, you know, and that's – that you know, this uh, – Sanborn at middle linebacker is a good football player. So they got a lot of young guys. People don't really know who they are, but you know, they're playing, they're playing well as a group right now. Baldy, let's talk about Pro Bowler. Gino, Gino, Gino Smith. Can he keep the, the Seahawks in the playoff run? They go to the Chiefs this weekend. Chiefs 11 and 3. They're vying for that top seed as well in the AFC. All right, what's going on with the Seahawks? Why have they fallen back to earth here? Well, they're not running the ball like they did the first, you know, 10 weeks of the season. And that was kind of what fueled everything. And now they've lost Tyler Lockett for the season. He was a critical part to their passing game, always has been. Just, you know, it's a shame because, you know, he's from Kansas City. His dad played for the Chiefs. He he played at Kansas State down the road, you know, in Manhattan, Kansas there. So, you know, it's a shame because he's, I don't know if they missed a game yeah. uh, until this spot. And so I think they're – just shorthanded and defensively, they have not been a good team this year. They got they got a lot of young guys playing, which is fine. Uh, they'll be better down the road, but sometimes young guys start leaking oil. You know, when you get to week you know sixteen like this, they haven't been through a season like that. And so, I just think it's a combination of factors. You know, if they can run the ball um, the way they had, you know, the first half of the season, then uh, 
then I think they could keep it close. But I think the Chiefs understand the value of having home field advantage right now. And they don't want that to slip away to Cincinnati or to Buffalo. All right, we talked about how, how dangerous the Lions are. The other dangerous team is the 49ers, right? I mean, you don't want to see the 49ers right now. You talk about just clamping people down. It's pretty impressive with what they're doing right now defensively. And, you know, the 49ers, they get, they get the commanders at home this weekend. And I'm going, boy, it's a tough spot for, for the commanders to try to do anything. I think they keep them under 25 points easily this weekend. I just do. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, look, Taylor Heineke gives you everything he's got, you know, and uh, Terry McLaurin rightfully is a Pro Bowl wide receiver. Uh, they'll, they can run the ball okay, but this 49ers defense is complete, Carl. They're just, they just, just they don't let you breathe. You know, they don't give up <laughs> big plays. Um, they smack you like nobody else smacks you with speed and violence. Um, and Nick Bosa wants to win the sack title. And so he's going to see a couple of, you know, Cornelius Lucas, Charles Leno, guys on the edges that they need a lot of help to protect against a guy like him. Armstead is getting really healthy right now. He's becoming a factor inside. Um, but, you know, the story really is Brock Purdy. You know, he's going to make his third NFL start. And I just don't see, like, you, you know, we're probably not going to get there. But, you know, in Atlanta last week, I saw the rookie quarterback, Ritter, yeah. Play, and he looked like a rookie quarterback, Carl. Yes. Like he yes. has no pocket presence at all. None. Like it just, he was so frenetic. And Brock Purdy's the opposite. You just watch this guy in the pocket. And the guy looks like, if you take the name off the back of his jersey, you think he's been in the league six years and maybe even been to a Pro Bowl or two. Like the guy's calm. He goes through his progressions. He delivers an accurate football. He's got, you know, great players around him everywhere. Put the ball in their hands. He's doing that. And when it comes to third down, you want to continue the drive. He's making the necessary throws. Um, the, the, I could get you get crazy with the stats, six touchdowns and all. You know, that's he's running the offense, and I think the 49ers just continue to steamroll through this thing. Yeah, he's got command of the offense. That that's that's what you're seeing, Baldy. I mean, right? It's it's not even like his skill set. He's just got command, and and that makes guys feel comfortable. To your point about Ritter, what we saw last week in Atlanta, which it's going to take a little time, but this guy stepped in. He's been he's been impressive. Before we get out of here, I got to ask you something because you brought something up. We've not really talked about this on on this this show in the huddle, but you were talking about being in New Orleans back in '93 and being with the Eagles, and it made me think of the great Reggie White and Baldy. I know you had to block this guy in practice, okay. Yep. I don't know how you did because Reggie White, in my opinion, was damn near unblockable. And I just want to get your thoughts on this because I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, you know what? Sometimes we forget about these legends and how tremendously talented they were. Reggie White, guys, was on a different level. And, you know, for if, if you're, you're, a, you're a younger guy and you're watching this or, or, or lady and you're saying, hey, I love football and I appreciate what you guys do, I would advise you just to go to YouTube and type in Reggie White and watch some of these highlights and how he just threw guys around. Grown men, mm -hmm. big, strong, grown men, just threw them around, double team, split it. Didn't matter how you tried to block this guy. I just want you to talk about Reggie for a second because you had me thinking about it when you said you got yeah. him in the Dome in 93. Yeah, the Reverend. Um, so I played against him when I was in Dallas, and uh, we would play uh, Philadelphia twice a year. So you know our whole game plan, Tom Landry would give us a game plan on Wednesdays. Our whole game plan was Reggie. Where is he? 
because he'd play over the nose in a bear defense. He'd play, you know, over the end uh, in the regular defense, 4-3. Um, the whole the whole game plan was Reggie. Don't let him wreck it. Don't let him wreck the day, okay? So we, all we did was work on, you know, trying to corral Reggie White. Then I, I came to Philadelphia. And, um, well, I had, I had to stop in Indianapolis, and we played the Colts. We played the, the Eagles in Philadelphia. Uh, we weren't a very good team in Indianapolis. And I was the right guard for the Colts. And the, ga the game starts, and Reggie lines up over me. Now, Reggie never lined up over the right guard. So I'm like, well, what did I do? Did I get Reggie White today? <laughs> you know, so I just held him. I held him every single play, grabbed yeah. him. Yeah. You know, my meat hooks in him. You know, we ended up beating. In, in, like, by the second quarter, he went back to his normal spot. Now the right tackle had him. And, you know, we, we ended up beating the Eagles that day in Philadelphia, the final play of the game. You know, and then I came to Philadelphia from Indianapolis. So you're out there, and I was always a full-speed practice player. So I'm there, and I'm the new guy in Philadelphia, and I'm going up against Reggie in practice, and I'm going full speed against him. And by the end of the first week that I'm there, Reggie pulls me aside and he goes, hey, look, Baldy, I respect the way you practice, but here's the rules. If my chin strap is unbuckled, don't lay a glove on me or we're going to talk about it, okay? <laughs> if, if you see the chin strap is buckled, you can do what you do. But if my chin strap is unbuckled, I'm getting ready for Sunday. I don't All really right. care about Wednesday. So he he laid the law down, and I, I respected Reggie. Um, to see him, his his move was the hump move. You know, the great players have have moves that are legendary. He had a hump move, and I don't care if it was Tootie Robbins or Stan Brock, you know, who, like, he tossed them off the screen, literally, Incredible. physically airborne them. And, uh, and and we would we would all watch it, you know, on Mondays as a team. We'd watch Reggie throwing these grown men around. Like, I remember late in the year when I'm in Philadelphia with him, we had this scale going into the showers. And, you know, we'd kind of like step on the scale. It was electronic. And I remember one day, it was like December, and Reggie steps on the scale. And I just wanted to see where he was. You know, I'm curious. Yeah. Like, it was three. It was 3.30 and climbing when he jumped off the scale. <laughs> Like he didn't want to see the final number, you know. And so here's a guy that ran in the four sixes, you know, um, was dunking basketballs at Tennessee with Bernard King, yeah, running with the basketball team, um, you know. And then as a football player, running in the four sixes at three thirty plus, like we just never seen, you know, anything like him. Yeah, special dude, man. Great stuff, Baldy. Hey, happy uh, happy holidays, man, and yeah, Merry Christmas to you and your family. We're going to be back, guys, talking more football as we count down to the end of the season. Enjoy the holidays and enjoy some holiday football. We got a full slate of games on Christmas Eve, games on Christmas Day. Don't get any better than this. Subscribe and like us, guys. Tell your friends in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on 4 I'm Carl Dukes. Everybody have a great day. Merry Christmas, everybody.